better than that. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is life-giving. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and it's a light unto our path. Thank you, Father, that your word is dependable. That we can trust in the word of the living God. As the word is ministered this morning to the hearts of your people. Father, I thank you that their hearts are already ready to receive. Their minds are receptive. And that, Father, we will hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us individually. We will hear what the Spirit of God is saying to our church. And, Father, we thank you that we will not just hear what the Spirit of God has to say, but we will be doers so that we can be blessed in our deeds. As I have decreased, I thank you for the anointing of God to minister the Word of God to everyone who's here today, that no one will leave this place spiritually unfed, Holy Spirit, we recognize your presence in this place. And we thank you for your leading and guiding us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Our current series of lessons are entitled Desperate Households. Say that with me. Say Desperate Households. We are now on our sixth lesson, I believe, with the sole purpose of saving, stabilizing, and strengthening all types of relationships. Because relationships require the support and the cooperation of two people, there are times in relationships when a person allows themselves to become disenfranchised, bored, uninterested, or even disrespectful to the other person in the relationship. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, I know he's not talking about you. Now look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, are you sure about that? What should, here's the question I have for you. What should the faithful in that relationship do when the other person has become unfaithful? What do you do when your spouse is not acting right, not doing right, or not living right? What do you do when you're in a relationship with someone and it seems to be like a one-sided relationship? Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, I don't know where he's going this morning, but I think he's coming down your street. Our lesson title today is entitled, Loving the Unlovely. Now, I struggle with this title. I just want you to know that. I struggled for a whole week on this title because I really didn't want to title that that way because that is the politically correct title <laughs> but that's not really what I wanted to title the message as can I just either at least tell you what I wanted to say this is kind of what I wanted to use as a title what to do 
when your spouse is acting a fool. Now, I know that wouldn't go right. So I, I, I had to change the title. I also had another title in mind. Would y'all like to know that one? What to do and how to act when you want to slap the silly out of your spouse. Now, I knew that didn't write. You know, I said, well, we're going to have visitors. I can't really name it that. So I had to politically correct, name it, and it is loving the unlovely. Turn to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Every person in a relationship must have the proper biblical view of the purpose and the rules and also the roles in a relationship. I'm going to say that again. When a person is in a relationship, you must have the proper biblical view. Say biblical view. You must have the proper biblical view of the purpose of the relationship, the rules of that relationship, and the roles in that relationship. Now, I'm going to focus a little bit on how that works in a marriage marriage context, but I'm not just talking about marriage. Now, Matthew chapter 19, look in verse Verse 3, very, very, uh, uh, I'm getting ready to talk about some, some uh, controversial topics this morning a little bit. Matthew 19, look in verse 3. And the Pharisees came to him, talking about Jesus, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away or divorce his wife for any cause? In other words, they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, can a man just get rid of his wife for any reason? Well, let's look at what Jesus' response was. Because some of y'all want to know what it is. You ain't never been interested in the Bible, but you want to know right now what Jesus needed to say about this. Some of y'all highlighting it right now. I see you highlighting it in your Bible. (laughs) Look at verse 4. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that, watch this now, He which made them at the beginning made them male and female. We have some issues here. First of all, if you notice, Jesus refers them back to the beginning. Now, there are two things that he references in the beginning. First of all, he said or he's referencing that he who started marriage is he that started the world. He also says here he started it male and female. So that just, that just kills all gayness right there. Whoops, there it is. Male and female. Come on now. I know our society has been uh, uh, gender friendly. But, but, but this says male and what? Female. female. See, it's wrong when you have two people of the same sex getting married. And that's the reason you got to adopt because you're not supposed to be like that anyway. I'm going to leave that alone. Look in verse 5. I tell you, I'm going to be controversial this morning. And said, watch this now. For this cause... Shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife that is called marriage, not shacking. That's another issue. When you leave your father and mother, you should marry the person that you leave your father and mother with and not shack with them. 
Y'all know what shacking is, don't you? How many don't know what shacking is? Raise your hand. We got one don't know, two more. Okay, shacking is when I have to help people. Shacking is when, touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you know what shacking is? Now look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, are you living with somebody you're not married to? Okay, because that's what shacking is. Shacking is when you're living with somebody and you're not supposed to be living with them because you're not married to them. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, not his girlfriend, and they too shall be made one flesh. Watch verse 6. Wherefore, they are now no more two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no one put a what? Put asunder. I want you to notice now, Jesus is now looking at a marriage context. Look at verse 7. Then they said to him, why did Moses then command to give writing of divorcement and put her away? Verse 8. And he said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, allowed you to put away or divorce your wives. But, say but. Watch this now. He said, but from the beginning, it was not so. In other words, divorce was never part of God's plan. Divorce, it only came about because of the hardness of people's hearts. Now, let's keep reading because some of y'all get mad at me. Look in verse 8. Look in verse 9. And I say unto you, watch this now. Whosoever shall put away his wife or divorce her, except it be for fornication and shall marry another person, that person commits adultery. And whoso marries her, which he is put away, also commits adultery. We have some issues here. Because we have people who are divorced. And they divorce for reasons other than fornication and adultery. Huh. Now. Let me just write this. You can put this point down on your paper because I'm going to deal with this. It's okay. Calm, t- calm down. Calm down. <laughs> calm down. God only intended divorce to be the result of unfaithfulness in a relationship. That was really the primary reason for divorce. You say, well, pastor, I got divorced and it wasn't just for that reason. I just didn't like that man no more. What do I do? Now, here's what I want you to see. Go to uh, Mark chapter 3. Go to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Now, let me just help you and calm your nerves by letting you know something. If you got divorced for any other reason other than for a biblical reason, that was wrong. Now, let me give you some good news. Even if you made that mistake, God can forgive that mistake. There's only one sin in the Bible that cannot be forgiven. And divorce is not one of them. So even if you messed up and divorced, guess what? All you had to do at that time is say, Lord, forgive me for marrying that fool. I mean, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me for marrying that person. Forgive me. Forgive me in Jesus' name. And you know what's going to happen? He's going to what? 
I just wanted to show you Mark chapter 3, verse 28. I just want to show you that there's only one sin that, can own, that cannot be forgiven. Look in um, Mark chapter 3, look at verse what? 28. Watch this. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men. How many sins? All, all sins. And blasphemes wherever uh, they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Spirit has never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. So there's only one sin that a person can commit that can never be forgiven. And that is blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just break this down so you can understand what that means. When you reject the Holy Spirit, when Jesus is trying to knock, when the Holy Spirit is knocking on your door to, for you to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you resist him, and you resist, and you resist, 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 and you die, that sin of resisting cannot be forgiven because that's the, that's the thing you need to do to get saved. So resisting the Holy Spirit for salvation, that, can, that sin cannot be forgiven. And that's what that sin of, 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 of that one sin is. So the reason I only shared that is so you can see that even if you divorced, God can forgive you. Now, I see some of y'all out there going, "Woo, I can keep going. <laughs> but see, and you can write this down for reference sake. Write this down. In 1 Corinthians uh, I don't, I don't know if that's the right verse. Let me just tell you what it says. It says, do I sin that grace may abound? In other words, do you go ahead and still plan to sin just because God's going to forgive you? The answer to that question is no. Now, here's what we don't know. We don't know the consequences of the divorce when we have it. Sometimes it costs us more than what we have in the bank. Not just financially, but also emotionally. Can someone say amen to that? Now, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians 7. I hope I have time to do my lesson this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, those of you who are dating, who are engaged, or thinking about dating, you must apply God's word for your relationship situation. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, look at verse 32. If you are dating, how many dating in here? Let me see your hand. Okay, don't be scared. Raise it up real high. Okay, good. How many thinking about dating? Let me see your hand. Okay, how many engaged in here? Let me see your hand. How many shacking? Let me see your hand. No, I'm just... I'm just. First Corinthians chapter 7, look at verse 32. It says, but I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried cares for the things of what? Of the Lord. That he may what? Please who? Please the Lord. So a single person's focus should be on pleasing who? Pleasing the Lord. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 very quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, write down verse 14. If you can't get it fast enough, just watch the screen. They'll be able to help you. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, look at verse 14. He says now, for if I have boasted anything to him of you, I am not ashamed. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, even so, is that the one that I want? It don't sound like it's the one I want, does it? What did I say? Second Corinthians what? 7.14. Let me make sure my eyes are fixed here. Uh, 
Maybe it's 1 Corinthians 7, 14. Let's look at that one. Which one is the un unbelieving husband? That one. 1 Corinthians 7, 14. Okay, that's really, that's not the one I want, but let me tell you the one I want. It basically says, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. In other words, if you are single, to start your relationship journey off right, you can't compromise on who you date. Because some of these married people will tell you that it is not worth trying to date somebody that's not saved and then marry them thinking they're going to get saved and then they got married to them and the person never got saved. And you know what? It is your fault if you marry somebody who is not saved and you know better as a Christian. Amen. So what's the point of what I'm saying? Here's the point. God set up some rules in the beginning for relationships. And we have to follow those rules. Now, I'm going to read Matthew 9. I'm going back to Matthew 19. I'm going to read it, though. I'm going to read it out of Amplified. This is what it says. And the Pharisees came to Jesus and put him to the test by asking, Is it lawful and right to dismiss, repudiate, and divorce one's wife for any and every cause? He replied, Have you never read that he who made them from the beginning made them male and female? And he says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be united firmly, joined inseparably to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has has joined together, let no man put asunder or pull apart. So I need you to see when you get married, that's God putting you together. Because some people use an excuse of wanting to divorce by saying, well, God didn't put us together. Well, your decision in wanting to be together is God putting you together because marriage was started by God. Are you all with me? So here's the question I have for you this morning. How does a person who is saved or not saved. How do, does a person go, on, go from saying I do in church to I don't in divorce court? How do you go from go, saying I do to I don't? Well, there are three reasons a person does that. You can write this down. This is for the person who's acting up in the relationship. Number one, a person can go from saying I do to I don't because of sin. Then number two, because of selfishness. And then number three, through spiritual carnality. What was the first one, class? Sin. What was number two? Selfishness. What was number three? Spiritual carnality. Now, very quickly, go to Hebrews chapter three. Go to Hebrews three. I'm not going to finish my lesson. I see that now. But that's okay. I'm going to try to give you what I can. Hebrews chapter three. And I want you to look in verse 19. See, sin is deceitful. And sin is so deceitful, it will let you think you can get away with stuff that you're really not going to get away with. How many as a kid did something that you didn't want your parents to know and you thought you had it all together, thought you had it hid, thought you had it set up, and then they busted you anyway? And then after they busted you, you got busted? Look in Hebrews chapter 3, look in verse 13. It says, but exhort one another daily. Why it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of what? Sin has a level of deception in it that will make you think you can do stuff that you really can't do. 
See, this is what I tell people. I've been, uh, you know, uh, married, giving some people some marriage advice who are, who are engaged, and this is one of the things I tell them. Marriage is a holy union, and that's why when you get married, if you get involved in things that are unholy as a married person, it is going to find you out because God is a holy God who created a holy union. He's not going to let unholy activity take place without the other person knowing it. So if you're involved in something right now and, and your spouse don't know about it, you better get out because it's just a matter of time. Watch this now. Go to Matthew 24. Boy, if, y'all, if you can get this one right here, if you can get this one right here, we can go home. Matthew 24. This, I'm still talking about sin, and this is what happens to people who are in a relationship, and they, everything seems was, was going right, and then all of a sudden, they just go left on you. Everything was fine the night, the night before. And then all of a sudden, you wake up, I don't want to be with you no more. What happened to you last night? Go outside, look at the address. Am I in the right house? Okay, look at this. Look in Matthew chapter 24. Now, watch this now. I need you to write this point down. Even if I don't go no further, I need you to get this. Getting involved in certain sins can cause a person's love toward another person to grow cold. People say, well, I fell out of love with that person. No, what really happened is you fell into some sins that caused your love to go cold. Watch this now. Matthew 24. I appreciate y'all staying with me because it's getting hot in here. Matthew 24. Look in verse 12. Watch this now. Look in verse 10. If you just go on and read, it talks about false Christ coming. Look in verse 5. For many shall come in my name saying I am the Christ and shall deceive many. Look in verse 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. Verse 10. And then shall many be offended. See, that's what's happening in the church today. You can't even say to people, you know, get them on track spiritually. They just get upset and leave the church. Because offense is a real spirit. He says, and many shall be offended. Watch this now. And shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Look at verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Here's verse 12. And because of iniquity, say iniquity. And because of iniquity shall abound. Watch this now. Iniquity is just a certain level of sin. Once a certain sin or iniquity has taken place in a person's life, watch what happens. The love of many shall wax or grow cold. That means you can get involved in certain sins as a married person, and that sin will cause your love for your spouse to grow cold. So that's why you can, there's certain stuff you can't afford to get in. See, pornography will cause your love for your spouse to grow cold. Getting involved in an adulterous relationship will cause your love for your spouse to grow cold. They, they, they the same person you married, doing the same thing they were doing when you got married, loving you like they are. But then all of a sudden you got distracted. And when you got involved in that relationship, the, watch this now, you getting involved in that iniquity caused your heart to grow cold towards your spouse. And now you want to come out with reasons of why it's their fault. It ain't their fault. You got caught up with some stuff. 
And isn't it amazing how when someone is caught up with some mess, they try to put it on the other person? Well, if you just did this and if you just loved me this way and if you just told me this, no, you just need to get out of that mess you in. I think I'm going to have cheaters for some of y'all in here. Okay, 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 okay. I, here's, here's what I need you to see, people. Here's what I need you to see. If you need and want your love for your relationship to grow up and go up, you got it. You got to disengage from some sinful activity. All right. Here's the second one. Selfishness. Say selfishness. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I mean, chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I am not even close to getting into my lesson. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy 3. Here's another reason why folks just seem like they just go brain dead in a marriage. Everybody say selfishness. 2 Timothy chapter 3, look in verse 2. 2 Timothy 3, 2. Look in verse 1. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own self. That sounds like selfishness to me. In other words, what he was saying is, who has an amplified Bible? Anybody have an amplified Bible? Let me see your amplified Bible real quick. Let me see your amplified Bible. I'm going to read this in the Amplified Bible. Watch this now. It says, but understand that in the last days will come, set in perilous times of great stress and trouble, hard to deal with and hard to bear. Watch verse 2. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. In other words, one of the things that killed the momentum of a relationship is when a person becomes self-centered. And what happens is when you become self-centered, in other words, it's all about you. It, it's not even about the other person. And we already defined early in our series that the way God sees a relationship is this, that I need to care for the things that will help and, and uh, that person. It's not about me. It's, it's really about them. And so what happens is selfishness kicks in and now it's all about you. Here's the third thing. Spiritual carnality. Say spiritual carnality. Now that's just a simple way of saying you allow your mind to go backwards spiritually versus forward. In other words, uh, write this down as a reference. Ephesians 4.23, it says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, your mind is located in the spirit realm. You can't see your mind. And that's why your mind needs spiritual information so that it can become spiritually transformed because your mind is spirit. And so what happens is Romans 12. Go to Romans 12 real quick. Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. Let me show you this. Our thinking will either conform us to the world's way of doing things or it will transform us into God's way of doing things. Romans chapter 12. This is one of the things that trouble relationships. And so hopefully, well, next week I'm going to have to just get into what to do when you're dealing with people like this. When you're dealing with a person who's in sin. When you're dealing with a person who's become selfish and when you're dealing with a person who has literally become spiritually carnal, what do you do? Romans chapter 12, look in verse 2. He says, and be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So watch this now. 
A transformed life equals a transformed mind. A transformed mind comes from transformed thinking. Transformed thinking, watch this, equates to now the word of God now being uh, 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 just, uh, what's, what's the word I can use? Uh, okay, y'all familiar with Drano? Okay, I'm about to do a 2009 parable. You know, see, in Jesus' day, he did parables, but he was talking about stuff that was back in his day. So if Jesus was here preaching, I think he would use the example I'm about to use as a parable. Uh, how many have used Drano before? Okay, all right. If you haven't, have you seen the commercial? Okay, this is how Drano works. Drano is designed to go and unclog a pipe that you can't reach that's clogged up with stuff. And all you're supposed to do is pour the Drano in the sink. And just as a result of time, Drano is so powerful, it's designed to now unclog the pipe. No work, no effort. The only effort you put into it was to go buy the Drano and pour it down the pipe. Well, that's how the word works. You got to put the word in your system. When you put the word in your system, it will unclog. See, some of y'all trying to fix yourself. No, you don't have that power. Listen, if you want to stop doing wrong, put some Drano of the word in your heart. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. You can decrease your sin by increasing the sin killer. It's called the word. I tell people, if you ain't ready to do right, if you ain't ready to change, just keep coming to church because you're going to hear that word. That word's going to get inside of your heart and it's going to clean your heart out. So let me give you one thing. Can I give y'all at least one of the things that you need to do when you're dealing with somebody that's acting like a fool? Number one, what do I do when things are not right in my relationship and the person I'm in a relationship with is acting a fool? Number one, never take responsibility for the negative actions or sins of that other person. Got an amen right here on the front row. Never take responsibility for the negative actions or sins of that other person. Let them act a fool by themselves. Number two. Number two. Make a commitment to live by the word yourself while they are acting a fool. In other words, make a commitment. I'm going to live by the word. Now, let me give you some revelation. Go to Matthew 4, 4, and we'll stop right here. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4. I got to at least let you go home with this powerful principle because some of you all, you all going to go home and he or she is going to be there when you get there. Some of y'all, they sitting right next to you right now. Just look forward. We won't know. Just keep looking at me. <laughs> Watch this. Matthew 4. Matthew 4, 4. But Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but we supposed to live by the word of God. Here's what I want you to see. The only way some people will ever be able to be fed God's word is from your life. When you are living the word and your life lines up with God's word, most people who are spiritually deficit, 
who are walking in serious carnality, they're not reading God's word. So what you need to do is you need to feed them God's word by your life. Amen. When you live by the word of God, your actions will always leave an indelible impression on that person's life. Go to, uh, here we go. Here we go. My 30 minutes is up. Let's look at one scripture. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. I got to leave you with the principle that when you decide to live by the word, what it will do, whether that person changes or not, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know why? Because I know by me living by the word, it's going to please God. And let me tell you something. God is not unrighteous to see your labor of work and not reward you. Amen. First Timothy chapter four. Watch it says in verse 12. Are you there? I'm not there. Okay. First Timothy four. Look in verse 12. It says here. Let no man despise thy youth, but be you be you be an example of who? See, they, here they are. They confessing that they are a believer, but they're not acting like it. So why don't you be a believer by acting like it? In other words, I'm saying when you got somebody in a relationship who's acting silly, just act. See, because I talk to some of y'all. I, I talk to some of y'all. And see, the problem is the person who's acting silly, all they want to do is get you to act silly now. So they can use your silliness as a reason for them to keep acting silly. Y'all understand what I'm saying? In other words, they just want to keep, they want to, they just pushing your button. Push the button, 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 push, 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 push. You know that song growing up, push the button, dun, 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 too old. Don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, there, there you go. That's, that's an updater. Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. Ah, ha, ha, ah, ha, ha. Like a jungle sometimes. Make me wonder how I keep it from hunting. <laughs> okay, come back. Y'all going to backslide on me. Don't backslide. Don't backslide. Don't backslide on me. See, when you live by the word, it will silence the devil. See, sometimes it's just the devil in that person. See, you got to see, it ain't even about you. It's the devil trying to get that word out of your heart. See, when you live by the word, it will silence the devil. Notice when Jesus and Peter was trying to rebuke him. And he said, you know, uh, no, they're not going to kill you. We're not going to let that happen. And Jesus just politely said, get behind me, Satan. If you notice, there was no record of Peter saying nothing else that day. Because that word shut him up. Well, now, I ain't going, now, don't go home. And he had, you know, you done came to church. And you go home and saying, get behind me, Satan. No, don't do that now. Don't do that. But you can say that under your breath. I'm going to close with this story. True story. This is years ago. Everybody say years ago. 
years ago, years ago, years ago. And I think, you know, I think I need to go on the Dr. Phil's show just to get myself, you know, all philosophized. Uh, you know, I was real little growing up. So, you know, I, I think I had some issues with uh, bigger people who picked on me maybe. And I couldn't fight them at that time because they were bigger than me. I wish I could revisit all of those people right now. But here's the deal. I remember years ago and uh, uh, I was in a grocery store and uh, I was single. So I, I was, uh, when I, you know how they have the aisles, right, where you check out. Well, back then they had all the candy right there at the, in the aisles, you know, before you check out, you know, so the kids can scream and holler right there so you can get it for them. So I'm sitting there and I was a real candy addict then and I was looking at the candy. Okay, so let's just pretend that this is the candy, you know, the aisle, and I'm looking at the, the candy here. And the, and the grocery store door was like right here on the first row. Well, maybe the third row or something. And so when the door opened up, I saw a guy coming into the grocery store. Well, when, when I looked up and saw him coming in, he looked at me, I looked at him, and he looked at me like, what you looking at? And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm just trying to get some candy. But I could tell, you know how people look at you like, what you, what you going to do? So I'm like, oh, my God, Lord, help me, Jesus. And so he came in. I ain't paying no attention to him because, like, you know what, devil, I ain't got time for you today. So I need you, uh, Greg, if you would, I need you to come and be me for a second. Come be me. This is a true story. Okay? Okay. Now, I used to be this size. All buff and nice. I've stopped working out, okay? So you stand right there. Don't laugh at me. You're my prop. Don't do that. I'm real sensitive about that, all right? Okay, so Greg is me. This is the, the, the candy thing. The guy comes in the store, all right, and he walks and does something, and then he comes and does this right here. First of all, it ain't that much room between me and the candy. <laughs> now, y'all know that's the devil. Now, I had two thoughts. The first thought was just hit him right in the back <laughs> of the head. Just, just knock him out right there. Bam! Just go walk over. I said, well, I can't do that. I could do that, but I'm not supposed to do that. So, this is what I said literally in the, in the, in, under my breath. I said, in Jesus' name, get out of my face. That dude just walked away like, like everything was all right. Okay. <laughs> it was like a spell came over him. And I was like, wow. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. So when you're in a relationship with somebody who's acting up, live the word. And listen, if you have to rebuke that spirit in them because that's what it is, you rebuke that spirit in that person and you continue to be who God's called you to be because all they're trying to do is push the button. Thank you, Greg. Give him a hand. So next week, here's what I'm going to do. Next week, I'm going to pick up on what to do when you're in a difficult relationship. Well, you are blessed this morning by what we said. Next week, I need you to bring...